Hello and welcome to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is Jay Swords. This is the podcast segment of the show that's not broadcast on station KALA. Our guest for this 453rd show is Kathleen Wellman. Dedman Family Distinguished Professor of History and All Shooter Distinguished Teaching Professor for Southern Methodist University. And we're going to be talking about her book, Hijacking History, How the Christian Right is Teaching History and Why It Matters. Our history buffs are Brett Menard and Terry Toppler. And Terry, start us off. All right, thank you. Yes, Dr. Wellman, you mentioned earlier that some state standards have incorporated some of these what we would call fundamentalist ideas. Can you elaborate on that? Uh, Yeah, I can give you a couple of specific examples that actually led me to this project. Uh, When I was asked to look over some of the textbooks published for the Texas market by the Texas Freedom uh, Network, which was concerned about the fact that school board members could choose outside experts to evaluate textbooks, but to be an expert two members of the board had to agree that you were one. (laughs) So I was not selected to be a reviewer, but uh, a used card salesman was in my stead. So I looked over the standards and I looked over the textbooks, and one of the things that just truly appalled me is uh, one of my areas of expertise is the intellectual tradition of the Enlightenment. And the Texas standards for the 18th century insisted that John Calvin and Thomas Aquinas were central figures that had to be included into a discussion of the Enlightenment. And for the life of me, I could not figure out how John Calvin got in, and even less Thomas Aquinas. But I finally figured out that they wanted John Calvin to be there because... He was such a fundamental figure, obviously, for the Puritans, and it would give them a way to make the Christian tradition consistently Calvinistic. Uh, And in part, their underlying theology is indebted to Calvin. For Thomas Aquinas, it was much trickier. What they wanted was Catholic natural law as a religious explanation for nature's law and nature's God in founding documents. They didn't want deism to be a possibility for the founders. Okay. Um, Brett? So I imagine um, everyone's favorite far-right historian, David Barton, comes up more than a couple times. So can you talk a little about his role in all of this? Well, he's obviously a promoter of most of the ideas of these curricula, and he is explicitly cited by them. Uh, He's also a great influence on the school board in Texas, and so he was extremely influential in the state standards in Texas in making sure that Moses was given credit as a prime influence on the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. (laughs) 
Okay. <laughs> so that leads me then to, to my question, and you kind of touched on it in the radio portion a little bit. Um, it seems to me that, that what we're really doing here is creating an echo chamber, is that, that parents and churches are trying to ensure that the only sounds, the only ideas, the only information that, that they're that they and their children, because it's it's a two-way street usually with education, um, only have to hear the things that are already uh, pre-approved and already sanctioned and supported. Um, and opposing that is is the one of my favorites, and I'm paraphrasing one of my favorite quotes from um, Spinoza, who is you know a, a enlightenment, I guess you could argue, um, certainly a Renaissance. Um, philosopher who basically says you can't do the job of teaching without making people uncomfortable. The idea is that that a teacher's job is to challenge conventional ideas, whatever those conventional ideas might be, um, in hopes of getting their students to probe the ideas and look at them for flaws and improve them and so forth and so on. Is there any sense in any of these textbooks of that idea that that we should challenge ourselves, that we should look at ourselves, or is this really an an echo chamber situation where we're, we're just sort of burying our head in the sand and and saying no, no, nobody else has got it right but us? Uh, I think it's the latter, and I think you raise a really good point about. Uh, wanting the feelings of children protected, because that's been one of the consistent um, elements of the anti-critical uh, race theory laws proposed in a variety of state legislatures. And the emphasis of those laws, there's an explicit text that no student should ever be made to feel uncomfortable. Uh, and obviously that's directed towards any teaching about race or the civil rights movement or anything about slavery in America, anything essentially that it, that challenges the the lost cause myth. But I think um, I think that these particular curricula that I've been looking at are less concerned about not preserving a comfort level as just maintaining an insistence on truth that cannot be challenged. So they don't have any interest in, in, in having students challenge uh, any account. And the way that's absolutely clear, which is not clear in modern state legislature, this bills being passed now, is that uh, most points about fundamental points of the curricular are enforced by biblical passages, even if the biblical passages really don't seem to fit at all. <laughs> they pro provide a mark of authority that is inerrant because all of these curricula promote the inerrancy of the Bible. Right. Okay. Terry. Um, I had one question, but this just led me to another one <laughs> from what you just said. So when you talk about a biblical passage, I mean, I studied uh, Hebrew when I was at college, <laughs> and I know how translations differ between different types of Bibles. Uh, so what kind of biblical passage or interpretation would they use? 
Uh, well, um, one of them proclaims that the King or their King James, uh, you know, proponent of the King James Bible as the Bible God wrote in English. Uh, and I, and I think they favor the King James Bible because it's harder for an, a modern American to interpret. Right? It's just less clear, so you can use it to enforce whatever point you've made. And they don't really, okay, so the point you make about different translations, they would lump with biblical modernism and the historical study of the Bible, all of which is absolutely abhorrent, so much so that uh, biblical modernism, uh, which arose largely in Germany at the end of the 19th century, is the direct cause of Hitler and the Second World War as a punishment for biblical modernism. And it's part of the reason that it's the English Reformation that is heroic rather than the German Reformation. Wow. <laughs> that, that, that seems like a bit of a stretch, but okay. Um, Brett? So, returning to this idea of the King James version as the authoritative English version, is that also because that's the one that they feel the founders would have been using, and so um, there's a way they can manipulate things where that would be an understanding, considering that this is prior to the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls, and and there are certain things that just aren't in the King James Version that are in more modern translations? That may well be uh, part of their perspective, perspective, but it's not made explicit in the curriculum. I think that might be a level of discussion that they might not, that they might consider too subtle for high school students. (laughs) Right, right. Um... So you said that you uh, you got involved here because you were concerned at, at being left out of a process of, of evaluation or, or at least critical review, and you feared that a number of your colleagues were unaware of what was going on. Um, what kind of pushback does there seem to be against this kind of... Um, I don't know, extreme revisionist history, because that's really the only terms that come to mind for me. Uh, Is there an an active movement to sort of challenge these and and, and kind of sort of confront um, the the inaccuracies and the propaganda that's going on here? Uh, Well, I meant this book to be part of that effort, and there are... Uh, I mean, I've heard from a number of historians who, you know, now understand, I mean, a number of historians teaching in college who now understand some of the strange ideas that students seem to bring to their classes and where they've come from. I think it also, uh, awareness of these specific Uh, Christian curricula that grew out of a fundamentalist movement uh, have had or share ideas with a much broader evangelical community so that many of the ideas in them, like the push for a Christian nation or the 1776 project that, you know, rules out all discussion of slavery, for instance, uh, 
Um, all of those efforts are being contested by the American Historical Association. The American Histori- Historical Association is really galvanized because of recent you know, book banning efforts, even proposals for book burning, surveillance of teachers, all of the kinds of things that we've seen um, as part of a movement that, as um, Jay mentioned, is really part of this concern that your children not be exposed to anything you don't want them to be exposed to. All right. Well, we could spend hours classes, courses, <laughs> talking about this, but unfortunately our time is out. Uh, we'd like to thank our guests for this 453rd show, Kathleen Wellman, Dedman Family Distinguished Professor of History, and All Shooter Distinguished Teaching Professor for Southern Methodist University. We've been talking about her book, Hijacking History, How the Christian Right is Teaching History and Why It Matters. The History Buffs for today's show were Brett Menard and Terry Toppler. You can listen to ROI as it's being broadcast on Friday nights on KALA HD2 88.5 FM and 106.1 FM in the Quad City region at 9.30 p.m. You can also listen to the show as it's being broadcast on TuneIn.com. Put KALA HD2 in the search box and look for ROI. Many of our previously recorded shows can be heard at SoundCloud.com. Just put K-A-L-A radio, all one word, in the search, click on the first icon, and scroll down to find ROI shows. You can also find ROI on all of your favorite streaming platforms, like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. ROI is recorded at station K-A-L-A, St. Ambrose University.